In my opinion, what I'm about to share with you was one of the most beautiful and amazing revelations that I've ever come across. And this came from studying not only the Bible, but what some of the Dead Sea Scrolls have to say about certain interpretations. Uh, and th this really blew my mind. Now, what, what, what we're going to talk about today isn't as much of a Dead Sea Scroll study as it is a biblical study. But this did come uh, from the Essene calendar in light of the Gospels. So we find this by first looking back to John's description of Jesus' resurrection. The Gospel of John, we are in uh, chapter 20, verse 1. It states, Now very early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved away from the entrance. So this is clearly right after the resurrection. John is describing events that occurred uh, the Sunday after the crucifixion, which if you go to dsscalendar.org, you can actually see the calendar that they would have been using at the time. Uh, this calendar fits with anything in the Bible. Uh, but if you look on there, you'll, you'll find that this would be Nisan 19, which is the fifth day of unleavened bread. Um, and a little bit later, we read... Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you, who are you looking for? Because she thought he was the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus replied, do not touch me for I have not ascended to my father. Uh, I'm going to break in here. That is going to be a very important line as we continue. And this is, this is what this whole video is all about. This is all about what Jesus was doing um, right after his resurrection and before his final ascension. And I say final ascension because there may have been more than one. Uh, and it goes back to the red heifer sacrifice, what that is all about, and might even touch on prophecy. Uh, so it continues, go to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and informed the gospel, uh, the disciples, excuse me, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what Jesus had said to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. That is John 20, 15 through 20. Now, there's a few points that we need to keep in mind. First, I'm going to ask you, though, if you haven't had a chance to, please subscribe to this channel. Click the bell for notifications. It's very important you do so. And if you want the whole episode, uh, not just the half that we put on YouTube, if you want the whole thing, head on over to dailyrenegade.com. Now, really importantly, when you go to dailyrenegade.com, the very first thing that you're going to see on the homepage is uh, about Cornerstone Asset Metals. Um, we talk a lot about prophecy on our channel, uh, and one of the shows that we have is called Wealth Transfer News from financial expert Terry Saka. And in that video, that video is free for everybody. So even if you're not a member, just go to dailyrenegade.com and click on that video. In that video, we talk all about how we as Christians can protect our assets because we don't want to trust uh, secular, really satanic banks and things like that. We as Christians, we have built our own um, thing. We have built our, our own way of uh staying protected. And so I highly suggest that you take that out. We lay it all out in the video and then go to Cornerstone Asset Metals and tell them where we find, tell them that you 
found found them through us, and they'll give you a bunch of free information. They're open to uh, talk. Um, they're Christian first and a business second. So um, I uh, I really believe in these guys, and I think that this is something that we as Christians should do. We should uh, get we, we we should protect our assets and stuff because we want to take care of our families, especially with the way that things are going in the economy under the new presidency. Um, so. There are a few points that we need to keep in mind from the passages that we just read. So as stated, these events occur on Sunday, Nisan 19. And uh, we, we, so we already have established that. Now that's going to differ a little bit from like the Orthodox Judaism calendar that they use. It's definitely going to differ from our calendar. This is the calendar that was pieced together from the Dead Sea Scrolls. And surprisingly, what we find out is when we apply that calendar to the Bible, everything lines up. Everything lines up perfectly, in fact. Uh, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. So we can use that here, and it really helps explain what's, what's going on. Um, so... Nisan 19. Now, in the morning, Mary sees Jesus, and at that time, Jesus tells Mary not to touch him, or in some translations like the ESV, it says cling, you know, don't cling to me, don't hug me, don't touch me. And it, and he says the reason is because he had not yet ascended to the Father. Have you ever wondered what that was all about? Um, during the evening of that same day, Jesus greets the disciples and shows them his hand and his side. Now, I want you to pay attention because the text does not say that the disciples touched him, only that they saw him. Jesus showed his hands and his side. Uh, there is no bodily contact that we are aware of in this passage. And this is not the same passage as Thomas later, which we'll, we'll see in just a moment. But there's no bodily contact here. Uh, this is during the events that occurred on Sunday, Nisan 19. So just remember that. Nisan 19, no body contact. Um, now, as you probably already guessed, we do read of bodily contact a little bit later. And this is where things get really interesting. So the Gospel of John uh, continues. Eight days later, the disciples were again together in the house, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. All right, so I'm going to break in and just uh, make special mention that this is eight days later. So totally different day. Over a week later, we got eight days later, this is happening. Jesus is with them, although the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and examine my hands. Extend your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. Thomas replied to him, My Lord and my God. That is John 20, 26 through 28. So, just as a recap, on Sunday, Nisan 19, Jesus told Mary not to touch him, and as far as we know, did not invite or allow the disciples to touch him either. Now, eight days later, Jesus personally invites Thomas to touch his hands and his side. What's the significance? What happened during those eight days? Well, if we look at the calendar, uh, and if you don't have a copy, that's okay, but if we look at the calendar, dsscalendar.org, you can see that Nisan 19 is Unleavened Bread 5, so the fifth day of Unleavened Bread, and then you count that as day one, and then what is the eighth day? That would be the 26th, of Nisan, which is first fruits of barley. That's the first, that's the eighth day. Because again, you would count the 19th as day one, 20th is day two, then three, four, five, six, seven is the 25th, and then eight is the 26th. So first fruits of barley is the eighth day, and Nisan 19 
is the first day. So on Nisan 19, Jesus cannot be touched because he says that he has not yet ascended to his father. And then on Nisan 26, first fruits of barley, Jesus could be touched, which must mean that he had already ascended to the father, right? But we know Jesus' final ascension hadn't taken place yet because he's still present with the disciples. And then that doesn't happen until the book of Acts. Could it be that there were actually two or maybe even more ascensions of Jesus? This is where things get really interesting. Chapter 19 of the book of Numbers explains the purification laws for the red heifer sacrifice. This is how uh, what Jesus did connects with the book of Numbers uh, and connects with this red heifer sacrifice. So it's described as a sin offering. So this is from the book of Numbers. It says, the one who burns it must wash his clothes in water and bathe himself in water. He will be ceremonially unclean until the evening. Then a man who is ceremonially clean must gather up the ashes of the red heifer and put them in a ceremonially clean place outside the camp. They must be kept for the community of the Israelites for use in the water of purification. It is a purification for sin. The one who gathers the ashes of the heifer must wash his clothes and be ceremonially unclean until evening. So isn't that strange that this sacrifice renders the one doing it unclean? Um, And it goes on to say, this will be a permanent ordinance both for the Israelites and the resident foreigner who lives among them. And again, that's Numbers 19, 8 through 10. Now, the book of Hebrews actually gives us a connection here to Jesus and the sin offering as described uh, from the book of Numbers. So Hebrews 13, 11 through 12 says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood the high priest brings into the sanctuary as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, to sanctify the people by his blood, Jesus also suffered outside the camp. So you have the red heifer sacrifice outside the camp, and you have uh, Jesus' sacrifice, his crucifixion, also happening outside the camp. So we know the book of Hebrews is specifically referencing the sin offering that we looked at from Numbers 19, because ordinary sacrifices were slaughtered at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and we know that from Leviticus 17.5. So this red heifer uh, sacrifice was this was to be slaughtered outside of the camp numbers nineteen three that's where we get that so that's really important to note this was not just a normal sacrifice now if we follow the author's example in the book of Hebrews and equate Jesus with the red heifer because that's what the book of Hebrews is doing so if we continue on that line of logic it begins to make sense what was going on during the first Sunday of Jesus resurrection. Now, from the book of Numbers, we read that the one who burns the heifer and the clean one who gathers the ashes will be unclean until that evening. So this ritual renders the one conducting it unclean, and that's really important, and that's going to be addressed later. So Jesus himself could actually fulfill both of these roles. Uh, He gave his own life, John 10, uh, John 10, 18. Uh, He was certainly clean at first since he had no sin in him, yet he became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a good reference for that. Uh, So he became sin, just like the person who does the red heifer sacrifice. This sacrifice, this ritual renders that person unclean, even though that person isn't doing anything wrong. He's following it, you know, perfectly. It's just in the nature of the sacrifice itself. Same thing with Jesus. And after Jesus' sacrificial death, he would have taken the ashes of the heifer, 
to deposit them outside the camp in a clean place. So what are the ashes and where is that clean place? You know, if, if Hebrews is right, and if this is talking about the red heifer sacrifice and it's equating it to Jesus, then Jesus, we, we know how he became, you know, quote unquote, unclean. He did that by becoming sin for us. And again, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. But what about the rest of it? Um, he, he, he should have done something that would have equated taking the ashes of the heifer and depositing them outside the camp in a clean place. So again, what are the ashes? Where is that clean place? This is, uh, th- this is, this is really cool. So we know that Jesus was not literally burned in the way that the red heifer sacrifice would have been. Um, he was crucified. And this is likely because the uh, ashes were needed for anyone who had touched a dead body to become ritually pure. So as long as no one literally touched uh, a dead body or touched Jesus after his death, but before his ascension to the Father, then the ashes would not be needed. So that's a good thing because there would not have been the ashes available uh, for Mary, you know, since Jesus was not burned. So that brings into clearer focus why Jesus tells Mary not to touch him. Um, because, because again, the, the, Jesus himself wasn't burned, so if, if Mary would have touched a dead body, there wouldn't have been the ashes necessary to cleanse her. That's, that's the idea. Now, while Jesus was not physically burned, there is still something we can learn about the manner of his sacrifice. So fire can represent purification. We get that from Malachi 3, verse 2, which is why the red heifer was actually burned in the first place. So a resurrection would definitely be a type of purification of a once-dead physical body. So scripture even compares the trials that we go through as believers to fire that comes to refine us, then equates that with Jesus' suffering on the cross in 1 Peter 4.12. So most likely, if we apply all that, the ashes, okay, if Jesus is the red heifer sacrifice, what are the ashes? The ashes are the body of Christ itself. They're not, they're not, it's not burned, but it definitely went through a purification ritual with the resurrection. So the the ashes are the body of Christ. And what about the clean place? The clean place that these ashes or this body was supposed to be deposited is it has to be in heaven with the Father. And that's what the ascension was all about. So this is likely why Jesus waited until the evening uh, to come to the disciples later. He, he was following the statute from the book of Numbers. He, he, was, he was waiting, as it says, it says in Numbers that they have to wait till evening before coming back into the camp. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. That's why he waited till evening to go and see the disciples that first time. Also, we see that um, the ashes are kept in a clean place for the water of impurity, which is the cleansing water for the sin offering that's explained in the next passage that we're going to look at. It's also interesting that the end of uh, verse 10 says, uh, quote, shall th- that this shall be a perpetual statute for the people of Israel and for the stranger who sojourns among them. So this means that this applies to both Jew and Gentile, just like the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jew and Gentile. Um, so going back to the water for impurity, uh, from Numbers, we read about that, um, and this is Numbers 19, 11 through 13. It says, whoever touches the corpse of any person will be ceremonially unclean seven days. That's important. He must purify himself with water on the third day and on the seventh day, and so will be clean. If he does not purify himself on the third day and the seventh day, then he will not be clean. 
Anyone who touches the corpse of any dead person and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord, and that person must be cut off from Israel because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. He will be unclean, his unclean his uncleanness remains on him. Again, Numbers 19, 11 through 13. So now we know why Mary and the disciples could not touch Jesus at first. And we also know what he was doing during that week before the eighth day. Now, right after his resurrection and after Mary saw him uh, on that Sunday, uh, Nisan 19, because he said that he had not yet ascended to the Father, after that, Jesus, but before that evening, Jesus must have ascended to heaven in his previously dead but now resurrected body, which again, that would be analogous to the ashes of the red heifer, um, to make the water for impurity. So he couldn't come back into the camp, um, but had to stay outside the camp until he was clean in order to return. So he then came back to earth, you know, that's essentially the camp, Israel, Jerusalem. Uh, he came back that evening. Now, at this time, according to the, the ritual that, that's uh, outlined in Numbers, at this time, he would have been considered clean in terms of the passage in, in Numbers describing the water of impurity in order to return to the camp, but he still needed to be cleansed in the water before he could be touched in accordance with Numbers 19, 11 through 13. So th this is this is because he he it's not because he literally touched someone else's bo dead body, but he took sin and death upon himself on the cross and actually became a dead body. So that's why when he shows up to the disciple uh, on Nisan nineteen on that Sunday, that, that's why it's in the evening and that's why nobody touched him. Um, he could return to the camp, but he still couldn't be touched yet, and that's why he had to wait the eight days um, until until the eighth day. Now, after he saw the disciples, he must have ascended to heaven again. So there, this would actually be three ascensions at this point. Um, because you, you have right after he saw Mary, uh, right after he saw the disciples, and then the final ascension. So there's, there's three ascensions here. So after he saw the disciples on Sunday evening, he, he must have ascended to heaven again to cleanse himself on the third and the seventh days with the water that he made, the, the water for impurity, completing the sin offering as described in Numbers 19.12. Now that whole process is described in detail in Numbers 19.14-19. It says, this is the law, when a man dies in a tent, anyone who comes into the tent and all who are in the tent will be ceremonially unclean seven days. And every open container that has no covering fastened on it is unclean, and whoever touches the body of someone killed with a sword on the open fields, or the body of someone who died of natural causes, or a human bone, or a grave will be unclean seven days. For a ceremonially, ceremonially unclean person, you must take some of the ashes of the heifer, burnt for purification uh, from sin. Now remember, that would be his body. Uh, and pour fresh running water over them in a vessel. This, this would have occurred in heaven. Then a, then a ceremonially clean person, probably one of the angels, uh, and it's, it's actually interesting because here in ancient, in ancient Israel, uh, they used to use children for this because it had to be a, a clean, you know, an innocent person. So in heaven, that would have been... Um, it would have been probably one of the angels, but says then a or maybe even the father himself. But it says uh, then a ceremonially clean person must take hyssop, dip it in the water, and sprinkle it on the tent, on all its furnishings, and on the people who were there, or on the one 
uh, or or on the one who touched a bone, or one who was killed, or one who died, or a grave. So this would have happened to, to, to Jesus, probably by an angel or possibly the Father himself, in heaven uh, with that water. And it says, uh, and the clean person must sprinkle the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day, he must purify him, and then he must wash his clothes and bathe in water, and he will be clean in the evening. So, again, that's Numbers 19, 14 through 19. So this is what Jesus would have been doing in heaven during those eight days. And it's also interesting to note that Numbers 19, 14 through 19, it says when someone dies in a tent. You know, one could certainly say that Jesus died in a tent when we realize that Paul describes the human body as a tent in Scripture, Second uh, Corinthians 5, 1. From the book of Numbers, we are to understand the third and the seventh days of cleansing as the actual third and seventh days of the week. Um, so, and that's according to the Essene calendar. So when you read in scripture, you know, on the third day this or the seventh day that, they're either talking about uh, that specific day of the week or the month or something like that. Uh, So this would be talking about the week. And we we can look on the uh, calendar to see this. But we can begin our count on Sunday, Nisan 19, as our day one. So then we would have the third day of cleansing. It would be on Tuesday, which is literally the third day of the week, uh, which is also the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's Nisan 21. So that's really interesting. The seventh day would be that following Sabbath, uh, which is literally, again, the seventh day of the week, Saturday, Nisan uh, 25. So this would mean that the eighth day, when Jesus met the disciples again, that would have been on Nisan 26, first fruits of barley. This is uh, probably why Paul refers to Jesus as first fruits of the dead. He actually appeared to the disciples on first fruits of barley. That, that is the eighth day. Um, and uh, Paul refers to him uh, as that in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. 20 through 22, he says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Now, amazingly, as if that wasn't already enough, the last day of unleavened bread, Tuesday, Nisan 21, is considered a high Sabbath because it's the seventh day of the festival. So what this means is that this is a week where there are literally two Sabbaths, one on the third day, that Tuesday, and one on the seventh day, that Saturday. Those are the two days that this cleansing would have happened. We have two Sabbaths of cleansing lining up on these two two cleansing days, on these two Sabbaths, lining up after Jesus' resurrection and Jesus returning to the disciples on first fruits of barley, uh, which points back to his resurrection elsewhere in scripture. Uh, so th- this is clearly too much to be just a coincidence. Uh, th- this also shows how amazing that Dead Sea Scroll calendar is, how amazing the calendar is from the Essenes where you can piece things together like this. All of this would have been lost had uh, n- had not amazing people reconstructed the calendar from the Dead Sea Scrolls. But this is why the disciples did not see Jesus again until eight days after that first Sunday. He needed a full seven days to complete this cleansing ritual 
for the sin offering. And then they were able to touch him and they were able to hang out and the, the sin offering was done. That is the sin offering that reconciles us back to God. Isn't that, isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that amazing that we can actually pinpoint this level of, of accuracy and detail to what that sin offering that Jesus um, was for us, is for us, that we, we can gather that much detail from it and it's all laid out uh, in, in, the, in the Bible. So that, that blew my mind when I, when I read that. I, I thought that, that was really interesting. Um, now, there's, there's more to this, too. There's some text from uh, Qumran. There's uh, some ancient Jewish traditions about this, because surprisingly, um, Orthodox uh, Jews, like the Pharisees of the time and then Orthodox Jews, they have never been able to figure out what the red heifer sacrifice is all about. That nobody, nobody has been able to figure it out up until now. That even in the Talmud, they, they say that it's so strange. Like it's the only sacrifice that renders the one, you know, performing it unclean. It doesn't make any sense. Um, they don't get it. They say that even as wise as Solomon was, that Solomon didn't even understand. Uh, and I, I want to talk about all that because there's some interesting history there. And it's like, man, if, if they could just get a hold of this, they could see that their Messiah came and their Messiah was the red heifer. And, and in fact, that red heifer sacrifice, the only reason that exists at all in the first place is because it points to Jesus. That's what it is. It's a picture of Jesus' sacrifice, which is just phenomenal. So there, there's some really interesting uh, history there. It turns out that Jesus was actually the eighth person in all of history, in all of Jewish history, to perform this ritual, and he performed it for the tenth time. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about all that. Also, there's some uh, information about... Uh, the Red Heifer Sacrifice from the Dead Sea Scrolls themselves, which is really cool. Uh, and then we have some other things that I, I want to I hit on. Um, but we're going to do that in members only. So if you haven't had a chance, make sure to head on over to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership today. We do have a seven-day free trial, but if you already know that you love us and you want to support our ministry and you want to uh, support us uh, not only building up the body of Christ and discipling Christians, but also spreading the gospel uh, across the world, I mean, I think that this message here would be great for, Jew, for, for Jewish people. Uh, really great for open-minded uh, Jews who, who, who are interested in learning uh, more about their, their Messiah. And there's, there's many ways that you can show that Jesus is the fulfillment of that. This is just one of them, but this is one that isn't heard of very much. Um, and that the book of Hebrews actually answers a very ancient question that Orthodox rabbis have had for millennia now. And uh, we, we, we want to keep doing stuff like this. So uh, the best way to help support us is to go become a member. Um, it's $10 a month or $100 a year. It's definitely worth it to get the $100 a year if you can, because you do get two months for free that way. Uh, instead of paying $10 a month, you know, for 12 months, you just pay $100 once. And so, you know, you're paying $100 instead of 120 every year. Um, but so that's a great deal. So head on over to dailyrenegade.com. It's not just this show. We have a lot of shows available to you. As I mentioned earlier, Wealth Transfer News. Uh, and please check out his show and check out um, Cornerstone Assets because I really, really believe in this company. I really think that this is something we as Christians need to start doing uh, to take care of our own assets. It's, it's not about making money. It's it is not a get-rich-quick thing at all. It's about protecting what you already have. That's the important thing. 
And we can't really do that in, in banks with the economy the way that it is. And uh, with a, a actually j- just today, I uh, at the time of this recording, I, th- this would be episode six, I put up an episode where uh, Terry Saka, he's the financial expert that hosts the show. Uh, he showed how he, he actually shows evidence that you can you can track the economy and show that we're headed towards another another crash. So it's really important that we get a hold of that information. And um, I, I highly recommend uh Cornerstone. It, it's the only company that I, I really trust with this. Uh, I know I know the people personally. They're Christians first. They're businessmen, very distant second. Uh, but they are professionals. They will help you out. But they're doing this as a ministry effort. Um, so I, I have some silver my, myself. I, I really think that this is important. We should be doing this. Uh, so head on over to dailyrenegade.com and you can get the rest of this episode and every other episode that we put up of every other show. We got a lot of shows and more coming. We're also um, going to be, be doing, we want to do some updates to the website, make things run a little smoother, finally develop that app. Uh, so the way that we can do that is through your support uh, and through your help. So please get a, me- a membership. Also, if you care to, um, Help out with Nathan, my uh, seven-year-old son, who's been um, battling uh, leukemia for the past what couple of years now, uh, year or two, uh, and and also he's he has some pretty rough uh, mental health issues that we're just on the precipice of, of trying to treat and figure out, and it, it's it's been difficult. But if you care to help. Uh, the best way to help him is uh, paypal.me slash Josh Peck Disclosure. That's the best place to go. Um, we've been having some difficulty with GoFundMe and stuff like that because for some reason they canceled a whole bunch of accounts. It's seemingly at random, and we were one of them, and we haven't been able to get in touch with them to reinstate it. So at some point we'll probably set up a, a new GoFundMe or something, but we want to make sure we have information available about what Nathan is going through, and right now we're still figuring it out. So, um, But he, he's likely going to have to be on some form of medication for the rest of his life. Uh, praying to God that that's not the case, but it's looking like it might be. So, um, so yeah, he's dealing with a lot. We're all dealing with a lot because of that. Uh, so if you want to help, again, paypal.me slash Josh Peck Disclosure. It, it would really help out a lot because the, these new medications that he needs to be on are incredibly expensive. Um, like, for example, one medication that they, they said that he needs, um, we're, we're trying to find a, a different option, but... It's not covered by insurance, and they said it was going to be $500 a month, which we can't afford. So we're looking into some other options for that. But that's the kind of stuff that we're up against. So if you want, if you want to help out, uh, that, would be, that would be great. Um, okay, so head on over to dailyrenegade.com, uh, get your membership, and continue on with the rest of this episode there. we got a lot more to talk about. Everybody viewing for free on YouTube and elsewhere, thank you so much. Uh, Members, hang on the line. Everybody else, love you all. Take care and God bless.